he came in to replace Anelka, as far as I remember. This is another moment when I reveal I should have done a bit more research. <laughs> <laughs> Who did he play for again? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Was he French? Hello and welcome back to another episode of Three and In. I'm your host, Sam Aston, and joining me tonight is Owen Gurry. Good evening. Derek Byrne. Hola. And our special guest coming hot in from the Copite podcast, Mick Moran. How are we doing, fellas? Nice one for the, nice one for the invite. Oh, pleasure, mate. Pleasure. So, Mick, um, I don't know if you've listened to the pod before, but we do a little challenge, a little warm-up. We do a little pre-match warm-up. Uh, are you interested? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. It's a little, it's a little rondo, Mick. <laughs> I want you to get from Pringles, the snack, to the Volkswagen Golf via Gilles Grimondi. Okay, so that's the journey. Obviously, Derek and Owen can help you out. Derek's making notes, I see. To be honest, that when I listened like to a couple, I, I was kind of following it, but this one, I am absolutely flummoxed. I'm not going to lie to you. I obviously know Giles Grimandi is, but um, I'm sure that, that's a that's a difficult one. That what what's the is there an official scientific name for the shape of a Pringle? Like, a, I'm sure I saw it on a TV game show, like hyperspherical or something. Even if there were, where would you go with that? And Pringles seem like they were designed by scientists. <laughs> <laughs> Not a natural form. Oh, 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 you're going to Wenger. <laughs> I was thinking about it's a laboratory crisps, isn't it? What's the perfect formula? I think Gunnosaurus could come into. Gunnosaurus, oh, yeah. retired oh, yeah. Arsenal. Gunnosaurus. <laughs> Gunnosaurus, he's writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone, has anyone seen Gilles Gomondi and Gunnosaurus in the same room? Yeah. <laughs> in the tunnel, probably. Yeah. Come on, Columbo, spit it out. Dal, you got it there. Okay. Pringles tube. Tube. Uh, underground. Underground. North London. North London. Arsenal. Arsenal. Former player Gilles Gramondi. Tremendous, tremendous. Now we've got to go from um, Gilles Gramondi to the Golf, Volkswagen Golf. The sport of golf. Gramondi. I'm dust dust kind of angle. I was sort of, you know, going about him. Oh, Gilles Grimondi, managed by Arsene Wenger, famously from the Alsace. <laughs> Dual-speaking French-German <laughs> area. Ah, German. Wenger does speak German as well, doesn't he? Vorsprung der Technique. Vorsprung der Technique, Audi, rival car manufacturer, VW. I think that's I could see Arsene Wenger probably drive driving a Volkswagen Golf. It doesn't seem to be a flashy type. It strikes me as more of a Citroen guy. I don't know why. Mm. He's French. Just that's a French car. Just picture him pootling along cobbled streets, 
Put his head sticking out. The sun. Yeah. <laughs> the sun with with in the back seat. Oh. Geo's in the back seat, you mean? Yeah. Or or the Gunnosaurus suit. Yeah. And him and him just saying, haha, it was me all along. Oh. Oh wow. Didn't the Gunnosaurus <laughs> get sacked um during COVID? And everyone went mad. Yeah. Let's move on. Mick. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, you are stuck on a desert island, maybe in the South Pacific. For for reasons unknown, we need you need to choose three footballers, dead or alive, who will accompany you on this meta metaphoric journey. They're not for practical reasons, Mike. Not for practical reasons, mainly for nostalgic reasons. So who's your first pick, Mick? Uh, yeah, I think Derek called it in, in the in the group chat saying it's gonna be three like three reds, but I kind of thought I don't want to be that predictable. So my first one will be Thierry Henry. Also, well, yeah. we just talking about Gilles Grimandi. There you go, Arsenal. And now on to Thierry Henry of Arsenal. Thierry uh, Henry. Beautiful yes. segue. He also, he also advertised Carl. There you go. Citroen. There we go. We got the link. Certainly did. <laughs> the game's over now. Just so. <laughs> Never over. Yeah, I, I, I think this fellow was... A big inspiration for me back, obviously, you think he joined United, uh, United say. he joined Arsenal in 99, he was there for about eight years, and he was kind of the reason that every time I played footy when I was a kid, I'd pick number 14, and as a big Liverpool fan, I shouldn't have really been doing that, but I was kind of doing it subconsciously, I'd be like rooting through the bag, even when me and me and Derek were playing footy, I'd always get, try and get number 14, and if Ryan played with us and he picked 14, I'd go 12, because that was his French uh, number. <laughs> It was just a, it was just a subconscious thing. I'd always do it, and then once a new mate Ryan did it, I also had a little competition with him to see who could get number fourteen first. But he kind of just he kind of just paved the way for for everyone. I think just the his style, that his grace, he had pure pace, power, flair. He was a team player. I think he still holds the record for assists. Joint with De Bruyne, doesn't he? Twenty assists. I think De Bruyne matched that last year. Right. I think that's that's that stood for about what, 17 years or something like that, which is yeah. incredible, really. You th- when you think of Thierry Henry, you don't think of that side of his game, but 20 assists in one Premier League season is just unbelievable. But yeah, he was just on that left side of a, of a um, three and it, right-footed, he'd cut in and, and more often than not just slot the bottom corner. And I think he kind of provided the model for what we see nowadays in terms of in terms of those inverted wingers. He, he had everything in his game and I just... Jordan knows eight years, even like I said, even though I was a big Liverpool fan, he was a big inspiration for me in terms of going out and playing football, but also just watching it and admiring what a what a good footballer he was. And I think he's he's been inducted into the this Premier League Hall of Fame, hasn't he, alongside Alan Shearer? So I think that's it's no coincidence that it was the top ever goal scorer and also Thierry Henry, who's just a, in a world of his own, in my in my opinion. He's he's probably he's probably my favourite non Liverpool player, so that's why he makes him uh, for me. And he scored Beautiful goals as well, didn't he? Are there some goals that stand out in your head, Mick? Memorable finishes? Um, yeah, the one that always sticks out for me is the one against Man United where he uh, he flicks it and then volleys it and Barthez is just absolute... He's a goner. Yeah, he, That is just stuff... Only geniuses can even attempt to think that in their minds. Just to, just to do that in the, in the blink of an eye and just and just batter the top corner leaving be at Barthez without, without a chance in hell and then there's... There's loads, isn't it? There's the one against uh, Tottenham where he basically takes it on everyone, but runs from his own half the pitch. 
There's one against Liverpool where he pretty much does the same, puts Carragher on his ass, and uh, obviously as a Liverpool fan, it wasn't good to see. But uh, yeah, there's, there's, I was gonna, there's so many. I was going to ask that question as well. Do you think these players that cut across? We've we've talked about Omri in the past as well, where most most people would admire him, doesn't matter who you support. But do you think he endears you more when he does something against your team that you just have to hold your hands up? I'm a Manchester United fan. That goal against us, I think the game was 1-0. And there's some players like Ronaldo getting applauded by Juventus fans. Was it that when he dumped Carragher on his ass that made you think, can't argue against this? You can't yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was that one. And then there was another one where um, he had a foot race with Carragher on the left wing and Carragher just kind of like... It looked like he was running in custard and, and we just had him on toast and it was just like obviously he still takes the piss out of him about that, doesn't he? And the um, when he's on Sky Sports with them. But uh, yeah, he was just for me, he was just one of the best there's ever been. I mean I mean when when I played with Derek, I, I still thought I was Thierry Henry, even though I was playing centre mid. I had <laughs> I was in my brain. I Maybe thinking, I was just oh. playing in the wrong position <laughs> And I don't know if you remember the game against Sunderland. Where he got a standing ovation from the Sunderland fans. I do, I do vaguely. Yeah, um, yeah. I Sorry. think like Owen says, I think you've, you've. Sometimes you've just got to stand up and uh, applaud the, the ability, haven't you? I think there's been. I mean, I don't, we don't do it as much in England, but I know in Spain when when someone had a great game against Real Madrid, for example, the Real Madrid fans would, would applaud. I think it was Ronaldinho where he absolutely t- tore them a new one all game, and they, they would have stood up and applauded them. But I don't think. Especially with social media and that these days, I don't think I think fans have got a bit more nasty these days, and I don't think that's a, a thing that would ever happen. I know at Liverpool, we do if like a, a visiting goalkeeper will clap them to, to the net, but in terms of anything else to kind of support another player, if it's a rival um, a rival player, I don't think I don't think you really see that anymore, which which is a shame to be fair. Yeah, I think that specific game uh, there was other aspects because um, it caused Steve Bruce to get. The sack, but and he was a Geordie in in managing Sunderland. I think that was the the story. But but yeah, he, he was like Henri versus Sunderland, you know, and he just dominated, and they, and it, they just had to spontaneously, organically, genuinely, everyone stood up and clapped because it was such a performance, you know, and that's that's why you pay your money for, isn't it, to go and watch football? You want to be entertained, and sometimes your own players don't do it. <laughs> yeah, hardly ever. Some with my Aaron. <laughs> I was going to ask as well, Mick. Uh, of all the partnerships that Henri had, and he had quite a few, didn't he? Even at Barca as well. Which other, which players do you think he he played his best football with? Because in for the national team as well. I mean, Bearcamp's probably the the easy answer isn't it I think because yeah. he was he was another one that was probably in me thinking for, for these three to be honest because he was another another absolute genius but um, yeah I think like 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 your boys have been saying he, Thierry Henry was a selfless player and I think Bearcamp was the same mm. I think if you get two of those in the same team and they can both produce magic out of nothing they had yeah well you see when the trophies they won back, back back in the day when they had those players there they were just unstoppable at times so yeah, I think uh, I think Bergkamp just because he was also another another wizard of the game. Yeah, it's it's, it's the easy answer, but we we love easy answers on this part. So <laughs> don't worry about that. Well, yeah, let's let's move on Mick, to your next pick. My second pick is uh, Fernando Torres. 
Ooh. I mean, this this one was a this one was a. To be honest, it took me a while when Derek said I've got to pick three. I was like, oh fucking hell, I don't know if I can do this. I was thinking of loads of names. I was thinking of Fowler. I was thinking of Suarez. I was thinking of loads of like Bergkamp, uh, Zola. There was there was so many players that I was thinking of that are just absolutely quality. But in the end, I just thought this guy, in terms of a foreigner coming to the league and making me fall in love with him, pretty much. He, he did that in those four years at the club. I mean, it's a shame the way he left, which I won't, I won't really touch on very much. But um, yeah, 2007 to 2011, probably at the peak of his powers. And like I said with, with Henri, it was kind of like a perfect storm. He came to a club with a load of Spaniards, the Revolution, as we like to call it then. Very good. With, with, with Luis Garcia and Antonio, Antonio Nunes. I won't mention him. Uh, who else? <laughs> Jabi uh, Alonso, there was, yeah, there was there was loads, but he was. Morientes, Morientes, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, Arbeloa so. come the same time as well? Um, it was a bit later, wasn't it? Really? A bit later, yeah, a bit a bit later, yeah. But there was there was a there was a good Spanish contingent there, and I think Reina, yeah, Reina, yeah. Any any advance on Reina? Uh... Hosemi. <laughs> <laughs> um... Hossamy, Nunes from the from the Owen deal. Uh, we got yeah. Antonio Nunes. We got Nunes. He's already been named. Though. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> so Torres, uh, he's come over from Atletico at quite a young age, no? Yeah, I think I don't know how old he was, but he was. I mean, he was. He must have been 20, 24, 23, something like that. So um, yeah, he was. I mean, when we signed him, I, I didn't know too much about him, to be honest. Like, I knew that he was on our radar. I knew he was a good player, but I think he was just, it was just a perfect time for him for him to join. And he, I mean, I think he got 24 league goals in that, in that first year. And that partnership that he, he struck up with a certain Steven Gerrard was just out of this world. I mean, talking about favourite goals, the, the, the probably favourite one of his is against Newcastle, where he flicks it on. Gerard then lays it off to him. Uh, he lays it back to him. Gerard then lays a left-footed like through ball round behind three defenders. Uh, Torres then like does a dummy past Shea Given. I think it's Shea Given anyway. Might be Tim Creel actually. But uh, and then he just sends him for an echo and then just scores. And it's just little things like that where you just like this is just absolute genius. And you've just got to like Owen said. You just got to. I mean, I know it's my club, but it's just even if it was another club, you just got to. Stand up and admit that that's just pure quality, and he just done that all the time. He just that drop of the shoulder was just his mm. game, and he'd do it all the time, and it was unstoppable. I can't remember a player who had such an impact, not just on one club but on another. He was captain at Atletico Madrid, age eighteen. An eighteen-year-old at a big club like that just showed the impact he had, and he was always this kind of marketing man's dream. Everything was getting thrown at him at a young age. Played the World Cup before he joined Liverpool. And, and, and Nick, you'll probably remember this. Do you remember the advert he was on? Um, and, and like the song, yeah. song came out and he was like kicking a ball in the park and stuff. Oh, in the yeah. Liverpool, in Liverpool, and everyone's speaking Spanish. And everyone, everything's like in Spanish. Like, yeah. Everything. Brilliant. Gracias. Just a yeah. <laughs> like, the impact he had on Liverpool was just immense. I've never seen anything like it, a player coming in 
there was so much emotion, wasn't there? Do you remember Owen? Um, I remember Neil, a uh, friend who's been on the podcast before, who's a Liverpool fan. You just couldn't believe it. It's just, I can't believe we're signing Fernando Torres because they were so, it was hyped. He was a hype player. Yeah, and we were never in that sort of, we were never you weren't, jumping yeah. in that market, were we? There were times when you watch Liverpool and you just, when it worked, you just think Benitez is a genius. Then no one's played football like this before. But obviously you need players to execute it. And I think when Torres came, you said it before, Mick, everyone fell in love with him, didn't they? My girlfriend at the time, I was living in Liverpool then, she was obsessed with Torres. Like a pin-up, you know, she would she would probably put a poster up in her room, you know, like <laughs> some sort of teenage heartthrob sensation. <laughs> the long hair, the good looks, he plays up front, he scores good goals. Do you remember, um, I think it was against Blackburn, where the ball goes out to the wing and he's, he, he watches it over his shoulder. He might take a touch... But then he just sees the keeper off his line. It's a pretty tight angle. Yeah. Just lobs it over and it's already like 3 0 and it's half an hour gone. I thought you were gonna pick that goal, Nick. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely up there. There's there's so many. There's I try and I try and veer away from the ones that everyone thinks of. I try and think of like a like an underrated one. I think another one that I like is in the I don't know if it was the Champions League. It must have been a Champions League against Marseille where he that famous shuffle yeah. and he just he just cuts inside and then the defender's like putting his arm up to the linesman going it's offside or I don't know what he was claiming for he put his arm up for something because Torres just rinsed them inside out I think I gave up Alan like a skier there didn't he I remember that yeah yeah and I think I think it's that it's players like that where you think looking at it you know what he's going to do he's going to he's going to fake the shoot he's going to cut back in and he's going to then try and do Thierry Henry style bottom corner across the keeper Mm. It's like defend, but defenders just couldn't couldn't deal with it. And it's like you've got to be that good of a player to know what they're gonna do, and you still can't prevent it. And I think Thierry Henry was the same. I think, like you said as well, Del um, Iron Robin was another one that you know he's cut. You know he's cutting in. He's gonna shoot across the keeper, but you, he's too much pace and power to uh, to stop that. The other thing that really impressed me about Torres was how strong he was. Um, like early days at Liverpool, when defenders tried to bully him, they thought they could. And you'll, I'll always remember that oh, against Man United, Leo Ferdinand going welcome to the Premiership. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and he's just, uh, <laughs> um, but no, he was strong. He got up. He took punishment, but he always got up, and he had a spiky side as well, didn't he? Yeah, I, th- I think when he first joined, I think he, you could tell he was a bit lightweight. But like you said, Della, he had that spiky side to that he wasn't. He wasn't going to give up a fight easy. And I think as the years progressed a little bit, he gained that bit of strength. And like you said, the, that game against United, where he kind of brushed Rio aside, which isn't an easy feat because Rio was was obviously top class, was just it proved how good he was. And against Village as well, where he's uh, at Old Trafford in in that game, where he, um, he he won the ball just after past the halfway line and, and ran. And it's he was he had so, like in terms of one on ones. If I had to pick a, like a, a top three of the ones that are, are players that I think if these are through on one on one, that they're definitely going to score. He'd de- definitely be in my top three because he had that coolness. I think Robbie Fowler would probably be another one. Just didn't nothing seemed to phase them when, when through on goal, and it was just stuff like that that you're like that is just just pure genius, and you've just got to appreciate that. He started at Atletico, but he had he played loads of games for Atletico before he moved to Liverpool, and then he did finish his career there, didn't he? Only a matter of months ago, didn't he announce his retirement? Or was it 
sure it was last year. Yeah, well, I've just got his Wikipedia page up, to be honest, so I can tell you. Uh, 2019, he played for some team called Sagan Tosu after Atletico. Oh, yeah. So that's that's, that's where he retired. I saw a picture of him the other day on um, social media, and he's like proper hench, like with, you know, like working out with the muscles, like bodybuilding. Yeah. And just look, he looks like still 18 years old. Um, he's a gym owner now in, in Madrid. A gym owner. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Oh, Owen, did you go to that last... Uh, well, I know you went to the last game at the Calderona for Atletico. Yeah. Was Torres playing? Torres wasn't mm. playing then, no. No. At the end of the game, they had... He would, he would have come on the pitch at the end, for sure. Yeah. Was last game. You know what? For some reason, I can picture him playing... I did see him play. Um, I went to Benfica and I went to Stadio de Luz and watched Benfica against Atletico in the Champions League, and he was playing then. Ah. But um, no, I mean, yeah, that's that's another pot altogether. The last day at the Calderon. Oh, what a day! Now there's a massive road going through it. But yeah, I was lucky. <laughs> I was really lucky to get a yeah. ticket. What, what year? When? What year was that? All? Twenty. Uh, 18 it was. Yeah, it was three years ago, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Was he a Liverpool fan as a kid? Didn't he have some, or did he, is this just... Uh, no, it, I, don't think he Robbie, I don't think he Robbie Keane did by saying he was a, <laughs> 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 he was a fan of... <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of um, Toronto. <laughs> yeah, <Thailand>. yeah. There's <laughs> some Thailand team I played for now where I've always loved them. Just, yeah. There might have been some enterprising journalist at the Echo who traced his family roots back and somewhat <laughs> got on a boat at some point from Liverpool. He told yeah. the scouser next day headline. <laughs> Do you remember when he when he signed for Chelsea and then um, some Chelsea fans did that poster of bedsheet type thing, welcome Torres or whatever, and failed to uh, take out the. Um, the Shankly Gates. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I do. That was okay. hilarious. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. those football banners. We saw a lot with the Super League yeah, protest. Oh, yeah. They're never like well written. They're always daubed <laughs> or scrawled at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the first letters are really big and then the letter, they get slowly slower don't they? As, <laughs> as you progress along the bed sheet. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they got how, how many hours in Torres? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do they oh, still yeah. sing about him now? Would you hear some ripples? No, really? I don't. No, I think I think he burned those bridges a little bit when he went to Chelsea. I mean, you still hear still hear singing about Gerard and whoever else, but I think I think people are starting to forgive him a little bit now. If you if you read much into Twitter and whatever else, but. Uh, yeah, he's. I think it's going to be a long road back for him today. To, but you to got, get... but you got Andy Carroll. So in that uh, <laughs> in that window, by yeah. helicopter, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, helicoptered in. That yeah, was the only thing I could carry him because he was that do, heavy. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember? <laughs> I remember. I remember reading something most strangest thing I read about that was um, Kenny Dog Leach was the manager at the time. Um, Kenny liked to get to know the players, so he'd do something with them and he signed them. Okay, um, Andy Carroll to 
Life gig. <laughs> Have you heard that, Nick? No, I haven't heard that one. That sounds yeah. amazing, though. Yeah, you took him to Westlife. Could you imagine? Bones oh, okay, two at a Westlife gig. Uh, Sta- standing up for I mean, the I'm sure they probably would have yeah. stepped back from all of the middle-aged women. You know. Oh, oh, I can't imagine yeah. flying without wings like that with with them and the audience sing along. <laughs> <laughs> Dog leash with his lighter out. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie oh. Ke- Robbie Keane went as well because he's always been a big fan of Westlife. <laughs> boy, since fun. he was a boy, since he was a boy, yeah. since he was a boy, yeah. I was about to do a Dublin accent there, but I realised that's uh, <laughs> that's my own accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Oh dear, dear. I'll go with that. Uh, yeah, me third. I mean, it's, I don't think it needs any introduction. It's Stephen Gerrard. I think that was. That was the easiest pick I'll ever have to make. Uh, well, thanks, Mick. Well, that's all we've got time for tonight. So. <laughs> let's talk about a sh- let's talk about a Chelsea career. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. he's just as a as a as a fellow scout, like growing up in the city and playing footy all your life. He kind of lived lived the life that everyone wants to live. Obviously, he didn't he didn't manage to win the Premier League, which is still got about for him, but. He got to win pretty much everything else, and I think he was just—I uh, think he was at the club professionally for like 17 years. 12 of those as as captain. He was just ev- everything you want in a, in a captain and as a footballer. He he embodied, and he was just yeah. He was for me what probably the best player I've ever seen with, with my own eyes. He was just amazing, and I think I think even certain players say it that they, they didn't realize how Gerard good Gerard was until he saw in the flesh in front of them and that, that's when they realised how good he was I think he just had pace power he could shoot from anywhere tackling crossing dribbling I think he had he was the most complete footy player I think I've ever seen and I'm so glad he was a, a scouser and played for Liverpool I think that's a good point as well just saying how people don't realise how good he was um, there was a quote um, attributed to Alex Ferguson saying he wasn't a and Gerard responded to that quite classily. He said, um, "Well, I'm, I'm quite upset to hear that he that he that he, he said that about me. But you know, he did try to he did try to sign me when I was schoolboy level. He also tried to sign me twice as a player. But you know, I think I'm not a top top player. That's upsetting. So it's kind of like a nice little side swipe at Ferguson there. Um, but yeah, what what a player. I mean." They always, everyone always talks about, which I find really boring, but I'm going to say it anyway. Skulls, Lampard, Gerard, the base. <laughs> but you said it there, Del, there's a, coming from Ferguson, there's a backhanded compliment in there somewhere. Ger- Gerard, then obviously we talk about goals, obviously his combinations with um, Torres and later Suarez. And also he's had, you know, brilliant partnerships on the years. Um, with various other players, I suppose. I mean, what, those are the two that stand out. Is there any particular goal that you remember, Nick? Uh, I think, like I said, with with the other with the other fellas I mentioned, that I try and think of ones that are a bit under the radar a little bit. So obviously, there's, there's Istanbul, there's, there's West Ham, there's there's Middlesbrough, there's Aston Villa. There's just so many where he's just took a pop from an unbelievable amount of yards out, and you think you shouldn't even be having a shot from there, but he does. 
and scores. Uh, but the one that always sticks out for me is the one against Marseille. I think it, we were playing them in a Champions League game and uh, Coutts on the right-hand side, Gerard's in field, he plays it just behind him. And Gerard just absolutely whips this ball out of nowhere. He shouldn't have even shouldn't have even been on the cards that shot, and he just kind of whipped it over. I think it was Mandanda in goal at the time for for, for Marseille, and he Mandanda just stood there and watched it go into the top corner, and it was just like wow, that is. I think he scored a, a similar one for Luton against Luton as well in the in the FA Cup, where he just kind of whipped it across the goalie. But yeah, I think that's those are a few that are like. The Luton game, I remember that one. That's when Alonso scored from halfway line, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the and one. He was, and he was about to give him a bollock and I didn't see it when it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's loads, isn't he? When, you, when you're actually... I mean, I'm a bit of a sad bastard, so last week I was just looking on YouTube and it was like every every Liverpool goal, every Gerrard goal for, for Liverpool and I watched all of it and I was just like, wow, there's every imaginable, like diving headers, like half volleys, volleys... Free kicks, just everything you you want in a player. He he had it, and it was he was just um, just amazing to watch. And it we kind of took him for granted a little bit. We just thought, oh, he's a scouser, he's a boyhood Liverpool fan, he's the captain, he's gonna he's gonna be around forever. And then once he got to a certain age, and he was playing like sense like defensive midfield, and it was a bit he didn't have the legs, and he wouldn't really shoot from distance anymore. And you're like you, you'd get to the edge of the box, and you'd be like. There, the cops scream and shoot, and he wouldn't because he didn't want to pull something. And it's like, it was, it was quite, it was. It, you, you got to the point where you're like, "Fucking hell, he is. He's getting old." You just, you just thought he was going to be ageless forever because that's that's the type of energy he brought every every game when he was in his in his pump. But uh, yeah, he was just terrific. You never want to admit it with players like that, do you? Because they once they've played five, six, seven years, and it looks like they're going to do the whole career there. They usually have two or three more years than when you actually thought they were going to retire. So when the day finally comes, it's almost like he can't believe it. They're actually playing the last match. But just going back to his goals, when I pictured Gerard, he had this uncanny ability to take shots with the ball coming across him. Loads of square passes to Gerard, where that goal you alluded to before, sometimes if it's just behind him, that was his technique for me. He was able to dig out a shot and... They always seem to arrow into the bottom corner. There's a few I remember in the top corner, but I just sort of picture him, edge of the box. He's, he's steadied his run a little bit. Ball's come across him. And like he said, no right to shoot from there. And it inevitably goes in. And then he had a bit of a trademark celebration, didn't he? It was a little bit like the Drogba thing, but just a kind of little... What was it? Was it arms out? Just a little... Yeah, it was a bit of that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. subtle, but you... doesn't really work for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, for the listener, Derek is doing like shaking a... his arms, shaking his arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there a particular that... kit that you? Sorry, Sab. Is there a particular kit that you picture Gerard wearing? Um, I love the the Gerard that just broke through in like 2000 and 2001 and like the Reebok one the the red one yeah tight collar yeah that's the one and he's got a just a number one all over and he's just like doesn't give a fuck flying into tackles doesn't matter who it is Paddy Vieira Roy Keane doesn't give a shit he's going to fly into it doesn't matter who it is and I think it was stuff like that where you knew he had broad ability and then obviously as the years went on he just turned into this more polished 
player and he, he kind of fine-tuned all those abilities in an unbelievable way. Speaking about how he used to smash players, um, I'll never forget one of his first derbies, actually, was it um, up against Kevin Campbell. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, Nick. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Obviously, he had, a, he had a tussle and he said <laughs> he went out that night and uh, went into the toilets. He was standing beside him, Kevin Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely shit himself. <laughs> But but they were all right. They were all right. But like, you know, he, he had no fear. I mean, Kevin Campbell was a big man, a proper man, and you know, he was still a teenager. But he was just, you know, he would battle with anybody. He had no fear. Do you think that sort of raw? This this for me personally, there's something quite from uh, I want to say Scouse or something from the city of Liverpool in that raw energy, that fearlessness. But there's something that really epitomizes the Scouse identity in, in the way that Gerard would, you know, fly into into someone, whoever their reputation was, whatever their um, status in the game, and and put make his mark, his own mark on the game and and, uh, and the team. Yeah, I think even honestly, I mean, even Derek will agree with me. Like even playing like Sunday League, you don't get you don't get a fucking minute, and if you don't take one touch and get out your feet you're getting clattered and I think that's I think that I read like a stat that like Liverpool have produced the most Premier League players I think I think that might be right players for players from from this area definitely the northwest anyway from Manchester as well I think that's I right think yeah. That's, yeah. yeah I think it's like like you said there's so many like Wayne Rooney there's there's Fowler there's Mach Manaman there's Gerard there's there's so many good players that have come through the ranks and and they've they've all got that bit of Fireness, fireness about them, and I think that's kind of what what makes them what they are. I mean, Rooney was absolutely fucking mental sometimes, wasn't he? Where he'd like just kick the ball away in petulance if, if no one was making a run for him. And I yeah. think Gerard had a, had a bit of that as well, where he kind of dragged people to his level. And I think that's what we've seen with those Liverpool teams over the years. If they weren't on his level, he was going to make them on this level by by foot or by crook. Even Carragher or. Had a, and it had an edge, and um, Joey Barton as well, of course. And I think yeah. Joey Barton and Gerard grew up on the Blue Barrel Estate, maybe together. Yeah, I think Brighton, was it? Yeah, yeah. I think Kevin Nolan as well was um, was around that that area. So uh, yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of a lot of good Scouts players to be honest. But yeah, they all had that they all had that quality, but they also had that um, that grittiness to to fly into the tackle as well. Do you think the the two thousand and five Champions League win? If you if you're getting down to it, that underneath that, to do a to, to pull off a comeback like that, they wouldn't have been able to do that without those Gauss players in the team, to to sort of like to to find it somewhere and say there is a way you can do it, and underneath that, that that's where the magic and the romance is, and about this sort of identity of Liverpool because he very much drove the team in that second half, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, it feels like a distant memory having fans in the stadium, but I think they also play the part in the never walk alone at half time. And I mean, we got absolutely fucking battered that first half. We should never have been in, we should have been out of sight that first half. We got absolutely smashed. But yeah, Rafa made the change and uh, and then gave Gerard a bit more license. But then I think even when we got got it back to 3 3, the amount of like clearances Carragher made where he was that cramp and he was getting back up and he was hobbling and he was still flying into tackles to clear it. and stuff like that and I think that just kind of embodies Liverpool and you've, I think you've always got to have a local a local lad in your team just to kind of lift the rest of the people up and show them that 
this is the way forward. And if you're not on like like with Gerard, like like Trent, not I mean, I'm not going to compare Trent to Gerard, but on on in a similar vein, like Trent's a local lad, and I imagine he's pretty similar in in training in the way that you've got to be on that level. Who do you think, or who would you credit as the manager that really made him world class? Would you say it was Julier or? Um, I think, yeah, I think, I think Julier. Obviously, Julier gave him the captaincy in two thousand and three, didn't he? So that kind of, I think that upped his game as well. I think he was always quality, but that kind of set him up another level because he had that leadership qualities already instilled in him. And obviously, he took the captaincy off Sammy Hippier as well, which was a bit of a mad one at the time because you know how, how good Sammy Hippier was. He was, he was. He's one of the one of the best defenders we've ever had in, in the Premier League. So to do that and give it to a, a young lad who's obviously there was a lot of promise and he he had the shown all the right qualities to be a good captain, but to do that and for him to then go on and, and um do what he did with it. But um yeah, I, I don't know. I think he'd probably I think he'd probably say Hulier man management wise. I think he said this before, Hulier man management wise, but Rafa in terms of pure output, because I think he played right he played right midfield quite a lot under Rafa. Which was a bit mad, but he had that license to kind of drift inside and link up with Torres and played like like you said, Owen, like digging balls out of nowhere from if the balls played behind him. Like he didn't play with amazing quality for most of the time he was at Liverpool. He played with some quite shit players, to be honest. But um, there was times where he was on that right and he just dig balls out of nowhere. And um, I mean, Crouch profited from that a lot from him, but on that right hand side where he just dig balls in and he'd score from it. But uh, yeah, I think. I think those two would be um, would, would be the two. I think I think for me it'd probably be Rafa just because we won the Champions League. I think he probably owes him a, a lot for, for for that and and for the uh, for, yeah, for that night in, in Istanbul, which will go down in folklore as one of the, the best ever. Is it a true story that when he was apprentice or training at Liverpool that he nicked uh, Paul Ince's car? Heard that? No, I heard that. Yeah, you heard I'm that sure. one, Dal? Yeah, I'm not sure. I feel was like I've, I'm, I'm missing out on all these stories. I don't know what I'm doing, do I? <laughs> you know, I believe I it was something like um, Paul Ince. I think it was Paul Ince. Through, um, you know, through his keys, through his keys at Gerard, who was, you know, 15, 16, and said, oh, you've got to clean my car, you know, because it was like that kind of culture, clean the boots and all that. And he just went, fuck that. And nicked, the, <laughs> nicked his car. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's true. Was it a VW <laughs> Giles <laughs> was in the boot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that I'd like I'd like that to be true because I just that sit, suits that character trait of the Hussein of like just don't give a fuck. And I remember when you lived in Liverpool when we lived well, I used to live in Liverpool and we had a joke that when you go to the hairdressers it would you'd only have two choices, which would be the do you want the Gerard or the Carragher? <laughs> <laughs> But um, are we going to have the uh, uh, impression, Owen? Hey, have the hair. I don't. Really. <laughs> <laughs> he would not. Anytime he got asked a question, there was his first three sounds. It was like his his thinking space. It's just like Stephen. People have been questioning your captaincy of late. Hey, have the hair. <laughs> I don't know. Do you remember that interview when he was? Early days, it was on Match of the Day, and you know they have that crap sponsorship hoarding behind him, and he's just literally walks off the pitch. He's got his boots on, and he's stood on a concrete floor. 
and he finishes his interview and then he just slips, doesn't he? And then he just, as he get, he sort of disappears off the camera, gets back on. Don't put that on match of the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Owen, yeah. you've just mentioned the slip. The slip. Oh, oh. no. Oh. You've opened, they nearly escaped. You nearly escaped, Mick. I was just about to hang up. <laughs> Should we talk about that? Or is it too, yeah. is it paint? Yeah? No, no, you can't, yeah. I think it was, to be fair, I mean, I'm a Man United fan here, so I should be all over this, but I think it was the draw against Palace that lost you the league. I don't think it was that game against Chelsea, but I'm being very kind here. I th- yeah, I think it, it was it, it was a, a load of the games, but in in that run we just weren't good enough. And I think, like we said, Gerard was the focal point, and then it was because of that little thing where the camera was in the uh, little ruckus he had, and he was like, "We don't let this fucking slip." And then he goes and slips. It was too much of a a story to, for it not to be like a the, the perfect nightmare. And it was yeah, it was just a shame that it was him, and it's a shame that. A lot of young fans grow up and they just think Gerard, oh yeah, he slipped and uh, Liverpool lost the league. Mm. I think that's a, that is a shame. I mean, uh, well, thanks, Mick. Thanks for coming out, coming along, and uh, that's been really fascinating. Where can we check out your podcast? Uh, yes, yeah, so you can find it on. We're on Spotify, uh, most podcast apps under you search for the Copy Podcast. We're also on YouTube as well, the Copy Podcast, where we do. Live streams of um, match reviews, uh, match reaction, match previews, uh, team news shows, all kinds of, all kinds of shit. And then we also have sometimes we get like a, a nice little good uh, former former player that comes along and we have a chat with them. So we've done there's quite a few on the channel at the moment. We've got uh, there's Eric Meyer, there's Sean Dundee, there's Jay Spearin, there's Marcus Babel, there's Sander Westerveld, there's Bolo Zenden, there's Momo Sissoko, uh, there's Danny Guthrie. Uh, I went. To, I went to school with Danny Guthrie. Oh, nice! Little, it's, it's little from, tidbit for you. Did he, did he mention Sam in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> he did actually. He said, "There's this fella called Sam. Have you ever come across him? Just, just don't, don't have anything to do with him." But, yeah, uh, don't call this podcast. Is he from? Is he from Tel? Are you from Telford then? Is Telford? I'm from Telford. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he was on Danny Guthrie. We had a chat about. Uh, Newcastle and I asked them I had to ask him about Joey Barton because I know Joey Barton like we said he's a fucking crazy bastard but he had a few funny stories about him where he just like the manager would tell him to do something and he'd basically say fuck off and the manager would just <laughs> run away because he was scared of him just like absolutely hilarious stories but yeah uh, yeah there was, we've got one with Clive Tildesley on there as well that was a that was a good one I still don't know how we fucking managed to get him to come on that was amazing that was oh, like really I was in good. I was in awe for an hour all right, lads. Well, thanks very much, and uh, speak to you next time. Enjoyed that. Bye. Thanks, mate. It was the, it was the header though. The, the three-one second half, wasn't it? Hello, <laughs> behind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do need to. I'll have to work on the kills. <laughs>